Hi, I'm Arlen Walker, and I'm live from Pelham's Wasteland. And today I wanted to do kind of a, um, a sort of follow-up episode to a call-in that I made to Jason Connerly of the Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Um, in his episode 117, he talks about a question of when does story and story concerns trump uh, player agency was how he put it. Um, and he talked about um, a, a sequence of play that um, Andy Goodman of um, Expedition to the Grizzly Peaks had uh, played and, and used a, a chunk of play that he um, had discussed on his podcast as a sort of after action report um, as an example um, and I called in and talked about a couple of different things. So I think what I'm going to do in this episode is first um, talk about kind of what I originally talked about when I called in and then sort of expand upon some of those ideas um, because I think they're, they're interesting things that are worth expanding upon. Um, so yeah, going to be more of a theory episode. I've got a couple of call-ins waiting in the wings. Um, I think I'm going to do an episode tomorrow and publish those um, in that uh, episode. And that way, um, you know, everybody's call-ins can get played and I can respond to them. But yeah, today I just wanted to do more of a, a kind of theory episode. So we're going to do some uh, more kind of theoretical stuff. So... So Jason's episode, like I mentioned, was really about this question of story trumping player agency story um, over and, and above player agency at certain times. And when is that acceptable? And, and Jason, um, I think, came to the, the, the perfectly fair um, and, and good conclusion that um, ultimately it's about what the the players find acceptable you know if the players have bought into that concept then um that's okay and if it's not you know if they're if it's uh totally out of left field or if it's not really something that the players are into then it's probably not um the thing to do in in your own game um the example that he used had to do with um, Andy Goodman's uh, play, um, playing Call of Cthulhu 7th Edition, I believe, um, and uh, having this kind of um, one player character having a sort of dark secret and um, attempting to reveal it to another player character and the other player character saying, oh no, I, I look away and, and close the door and don't kind of engage. And Andy having to say, well, you can't do that, basically, to make it happen. Um, which I think I uh, some of the call-ins to Jason's episode um, were uh, fairly, uh, not hostile, but fairly um, negative about that. We're basically saying, yeah, if I was playing in a convention game, I probably wouldn't play... Um, with that GM again, just because, you know, that level of kind of direct control is uh, off-putting. It is not necessarily, it's not fun, um, especially if it in a, a sort of more traditional setup um, where you're expecting more kind of player agency and all that sort of stuff. Anyway, 
I, in my call-ins to Jason, put forward a couple of ideas. Um, and the first idea has to do with um, what is the player actually playing within the con the scope of playing a character. And, and what I mean is, is the player responsible for the character's unconsciousness or is that sort of the GM? And um, I use the example of kind of in Freudian terms, the, the ego and the superego and the id and the idea that the, the, the player is sort of playing their, um, you know, high level, it, it seems like in most games, the player is sort of playing a kind of high level consciousness, right? They're um, thinking logically and thinking um, tactically and they're thinking um, about what is kind of, you know, best for um, the character and they're thinking about what the character wants and needs to do, but who knows how much, and it, it depends on the player, how much they're going to engage with the idea of um, unconsciousness and unconscious desires. And in, in the example of the Call of Cthulhu game, I gave the, the example of kind of morbid curiosity that as the GM, one of the things you could do in that situation is rather than saying, no, you can't, you could say, okay, make a, like a will check. Um, I don't remember. I haven't looked up and checked that uh, I'm pretty sure willpower is a stat in Call of Cthulhu. And what you do is you just multiply it by five or six and uh, roll a D100 against that. Um, but you could do that to say like, okay, this is your character trying to overcome their sort of morbid curiosity of what is going on. And the idea behind that being that, you know, your character, you know, the, the character that you're playing has an unconsciousness and that unconsciousness is not always behaving in the way that you want it to behave. Um, this I think is really obvious when you talk about, um, or that the, the structure of their thought is such that they do not um, think or behave quite like other, other people. And I think this is um, really kind of easy to see when you talk about things like uh, mental health issues, right? And for instance, I, um, I don't talk about it a whole lot on the podcast, but I do um, take a, a lot of medicine for depression. Um, because I have a uh, pretty serious, uh, depression, pretty seriously depressed when I'm not, uh, taking my meds. Um, and part of the point about that is that it, in, in my case, no matter how much I kind of like want to do stuff, it can be, um, it's much more difficult Right. In my case, often the way that my my depression manifests itself is uh, by feeling really tired and by wanting to stay in bed all day, basically, um, in addition to some some other stuff. And I think you'd be hard pressed to make the case that my kind of like high level consciousness wants to stay in bed all day. Right. I know intellectually staying in bed all day isn't going to help. It's not what I need. It's, you know, I need to get up and, and, you know, work out or eat veggies or do all of the kind of healthy things that'll help me kind of stay the course. Um, but it's very hard 
to do that. It's in, in the example of the Call of Cthulhu game, it's like if instead of being multiplied by five or six, my willpower was, you know, being multiplied by two and we're rolling against that. Um, that kind of power of the, the unconscious or the non-conscious um, side of thought, I think, is something that is really um, useful in RPGs, partly, first off, because it suggests the um, full-fledged nature of the character, the idea that this is a, uh, this character is a full person who does um, thoughtless or silly things in addition to thoughtful things, in addition to um, all the sort of other things that they do. Um, a really good example of this, um, one of the, the books that I really love is uh, St. Augustine's Confessions, um, which is a, a sort of, in some ways, a, a, a memoir about his time as a young man and up into his, his kind of when he wrote it in kind of middle-aged um, and older. I don't know exactly. I don't remember exactly how how late it goes for certain. It's definitely, it definitely goes to after his conversion to Christianity. Um, anyway, one of the sequences that is very memorable is him talking about um, stealing pears and stealing pears has become a sort of thing within um, the discussion of um, that that book in particular, and I think in, in the discussion of a number of books in some ways. Um, and what he talks about has to do really with the nature of um, evil and misbehavior and all that sort of stuff. Because his, his argument is essentially that he didn't steal the pears because he was hungry, right? So that sort of first argument about, well, what is evil? Evil is just people kind of acting out their baser instincts when they don't have a choice or when they feel like they can get away with it. That's not really, uh, Augustine's argument is that that's not really what is happening. And he didn't steal the pears because he was evil, right? He's not a bad person. At least that's his case. And I think it's fair to say that he's, he's not a bad person. Um, in even in that moment, he's not really an evil person. Um, he just sort of does it. And it's hard to say why he does it. He and his friends, I'm pretty sure, I haven't read Confessions in a little while, so um, I should read it again. But that's, anyway, that's sort of outside the scope of what I'm getting at. What I'm getting at is this idea of doing something kind of not thoughtlessly, but almost without reason, this sort of idea of just, you know, the character just does something. Um, and I think it's really true that that kind of sequence is really true to the human experience. Um, that's certainly, I think, why it resonated with me is this idea of I feel like there's all sorts of times when I've just kind of... Um, thoughtlessly or even kind of knowing that it was not the right thing to do, but not really having a reason not to done something, you know, told a white lie or done something um, 
mischievous or, you know, manipulative or something like that. Just, just sort of behaved badly without cause almost. Um, and for Augustine, this of course will eventually get into the, the sort of question of, uh, uh, original sin and all of that sort of stuff. And, um, but in, confessions it's presented as much more of a kind of psychological issue um anyway really uh interesting stuff to to talk about in a lot of ways um that kind of behavior i think is something like i said that is very true to the human experience and therefore is going to be true of most uh, RPG characters in the sense that if they are a, a fully realized character, essentially as close to a person as you can get, they're going to have moments like that, right? These, these kind of stealing pairs moments um, in the same way that they're going to have moments of morbid curiosity that competes with their kind of higher consciousness and all that sort of stuff. Um, and this gets into a real question of what is the player's responsibility as a player in terms of playing their character? Is the player responsible for playing out these things? Um, and I think my sort of answer would be that um, it very much depends on the system and the expectations of the system and the specific game that's being played as to whether or not it's the player's responsibility versus the GM's responsibility. Because I think a lot of systems are not as interested or don't have any kind of any of the kind of structure that we might expect um, because we know that the mind is a, a um, structured uh piece of equipment it's a it has a nature to it right um even the people who believe in the kind of complete tabula rasa blank slate thing seem for the most part to accept some idea that if it doesn't start with a structure it develops it very quickly um Which leads, I think, to a question of how do you simulate that? And so um, if our goal in play is to simulate um, characters who behave like real people, then we need some of that. We don't need a ton of that necessarily. We don't, we don't need it to rise to the surface all the time, but we do need it to rise to the surface every once in a while to, to kind of see it in action, right? Um and that gets into sort of sometimes my issue with um, I think it's a really fine balancing act to try to get it to um, to get some of these ideas to to work because I think some systems that have things like mental breakdowns and all that sort of stuff, it's uh, a little too common, right? And that's the the sort of question of um you know you want it to happen but you don't want it to happen all the time right if if a character is breaking down every session and having a sort of crisis of faith moment every single session that's too often right we need some level of kind of the the normalcy the uh 
the baseline to register something like that. Um, but at the same time, we want something like that to happen. So I think I think actually that uh, the One Ring does a really excellent job of this sort of thing, the kind of idea of character breakdown in the One Ring and the sort of psychological breakdown represented by shadow accumulation is uh, a really wonderful mechanic for creating a sense of the... Uh, the rising tide of the unconscious, because that in some ways is what shadow is, is shadow is all of the kind of baser, darker thoughts and behaviors and stuff like that rising to the surface, right? Um, and part of the idea is that it's in everybody, right? Everybody has a vulnerability to the shadow. Um, but only only in kind of these particular moments of crisis does it really kind of get its grip on you and all that sort of stuff. And I think I think the One Ring does a really good job of that. Um, I think some other games, you know, I think Pendragon um, with its passion system does a really good job of modeling this sort of thing. And the trait system is great for modeling kind of unconscious um, expectations, right? The idea that, you know, the traits, though, at least the way I play the traits, the traits don't determine how you behave. They determine how you react instinctively. And so if you want to behave against your trait, that's fine. But um, your instinctive reaction will be different than your kind of conscious reaction. And characters will um, notice that the way that real characters will notice that. And the obvious example is something like Chase Lustful that... Um, you know, a knight who is approached by a lady who um, doesn't want to do anything with her, but essentially rolls lustful, um, that that lady is going to have a, a sort of sixth sense and understanding of what has gone on in his mind. Um, and that kind of goes to the, the sort of genre that we're playing in when we're playing in Pendragon, because that very much fits the um, genre of courtly romance and all that sort of stuff. But anyway, um, but it seems to me that a lot of games don't have, don't provide as much for this. And in which case it, it seems to me that it falls on the GM sometimes to um, remind players at the very least, and perhaps even to get players to roll for these kind of, um, subconscious or unconscious or non-conscious um, elements of the character psyche. So um, anyway, that that is sort of a, a little bit of ideas about the nature of characters in RPGs. And I'm going to talk a little bit more. I'm going to do another section on um, agency and kind of um, when does it actually count as taking away agency um, because I've been thinking about that too. So I'm going to do a little bit more and then we're going to go to the outro and that'll be that for the episode. So stay tuned. Okay. So we're not actually going to have a second section to this episode. I recorded a little bit and realized it was, it was very rambly and I didn't have a good kind of uh, direction that I wanted to take the discussion. Didn't really have any kind of a, a sort of thesis concept or anything like that. Um, and it ultimately, I don't think was super productive. It was mostly just rehashing stuff that I've already talked about. And, um, I will probably continue to think about this stuff and try to kind of form it into something that's worth talking to you guys about. But, um, 
yeah, it wasn't really in that state. So um, that means that that's the episode. If you want to get in contact with me, I am at Cows from Powis on Twitter. I'm here on Anchor, anchor.fm slash Pelham's Wasteland. I'm also on a bunch of discords. If you are listening to the podcast, odds are good that you are on those discords too. So, um, yeah, uh, I think that's that. I've been Arlen Walker. I've been live from Pelham's Wasteland, and I will see you next time. Take care, everybody.